It's time for another episode of the Franchise Business Radio Show, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge and insight of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. And now here's your host, Pam Curry. Hello, welcome to the Franchise Business Radio Show. This is host Pamela Curry, bringing together franchise professionals and resources to connect, educate, and collaborate to serve the franchise community. So excited about today's show. Uh, For all you listeners out there, we uh, have some fabulous guests in the studio today. And this is, I I really think a lot of this show is going to be geared towards uh, the individuals out there that want to be mini empire builders. Um, So I'd like to go ahead and kick off uh, the show with, with our first guest, Grant, welcome. Hello. <laughs> we have Grant Simon, who is the CEO of LSGF Management, along with his partner, Greg Thomas. Greg, welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I just want to share with our listeners, Grant, a little bit about you. Grant Simon is a serial entrepreneur with over 30 years of business management experience in retail, food, and service industries. As a multi-unit franchisee, his current brand portfolio includes Great Clips, Smoothie King, and T-Mobile, and you have over 160 locations throughout the Southeast. Yes. Wow. Employing over 1,200 people. Uh, and you graduated from University of Florida with the BS in finance. Correct. Okay, Grant. Go Gators. Go Gators. <laughs> okay, well, first and foremost, how does someone with a background in finance, and did I hear you earlier say that you, you have a background in banking as well? Well, I started out in banking and realized it wasn't for me. <laughs> oh, well, obviously, yeah. right. Well, um, I'm trying to figure out where I think a good place to start is, is how do you transition out of this finance backing, banking background into entrepreneurship, or should I say franchipreneurship? Yeah. Well, my father was an entrepreneur, and that's the way he raised us and basically taught us that it's better to work for yourself than work for a company, which is the opposite of what most parents teach their kids, so... Uh, I, I worked for about six months in banking before I started my first business. And uh, to, would you mind sharing a little bit about that? How did you get started? How did you make that transition? Well, moving forward a little, a couple of years where I dabbled with a few other things, I was a, a customer of Great Clips uh, uh, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get off work at 7 p.m. and it was the only place open. It was uh, kind of a new concept, quick, quicker cut haircuts. Yeah. And um, I and and I realized that they had something going because it was always packed at 7 p.m. So I started talking <laughs> to the stylist, talking to the manager. Realized it was a good business. Uh, signed up, opened my first location. It turned out to be a really great location, one of the top 20 in the United States. And so, back then, they only had 400 locations. Today, ah, they have 4,000. Wow. So, so timing, obviously, yeah. is important. There's that sweet spot, right? Sweet up. Did you start off as a single-unit operator? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was in Cumming, Georgia. Okay. So, start as a single-unit operator. Yeah. And at what point did you decide to become a multi-unit operator? Uh, when a location became available, there was a franchisee that was failing, I decided to buy his uh, store, um, and I was just going to close it and 
relocate the fixtures. And I got in there and realized it was just poor management. Um, we kind of turned it around. It turned out to be another great location. That makes sense. Yeah. And then, and I'm gonna, I want to talk a little bit about that. I, I'm not going to bring this question up yet. But I think an important question for us to address for our listeners is, is how can you have the same brand, the same opportunity, uh, the same training, the same support, but not have equal success? Well, go ahead. Do you, I mean, any thoughts around that? Um, well, it's ma- uh, management style, um, mm-hmm. perseverance. A lot of times people just give up too early. Um, what I saw over the years was people would get in there and do a great job, and after about a year or two years, they would get frustrated and move on, um, and then somebody else would go in and not do anything different, and then uh, the business would take off. So. A lot of times it's just waiting it out. Yeah, and just and ride it. Because mm-hmm. I, I do like, when I work with uh, clients, I do like to say there's sort of this 12 to 18 month. It's a grind, but then it starts to stabilize. Mm-hmm. Um, would that, do you think that's a fair assessment based upon your experience? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay excellent. Well, I know that um, you have a business partner in the studio as well, Greg Thomas, and uh, the the two of you are partners with the company LSGF Management. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what does that stand for? It stands for Life's Short, Grow Fast. Life's Short, Grow Which Fast. Which is kind of our motto. I like it. I like yeah. it. How long ago did you and Greg partner? Uh, seven years ago, maybe. About yeah. seven years ago? Yeah. Okay, yeah. excellent. We were both Great Clips franchisees, and we're actually previously neighbors as well he became a great clips franchisee and uh we realized uh we realized we worked better together he's got different skills than i do mm-hmm. and uh we, we, mer- we merge our companies that's great any um any advice around i guess selecting a business partner uh i've had business partners in the past before that didn't work out um mm-hmm. And I've had ones that have worked out. Uh, the ones um, that you have where you make money usually last. The ones you have where you don't make money <laughs> usually dissolve. <laughs> Fair enough. We, we can understand why, right? Yes. Show me the money. Uh, before we, I, I want to go over to Greg as well, because I know the two of you have approached this business differently, and, and obviously it's turned out to be a very complimentary business partnership. Uh, any advice that you would like to give to our listeners who are considering multi-unit franchising? Or thoughts? Well, uh, you just have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Pull the trigger. Exactly. Um, you have to find a concept that works. A multi-unit franchise, uh, not all of them do. Some of them uh, you need to be there all the time for the those ones will not work uh finding the right brand uh that that's gonna either either an emerging brand that's gonna work out or an established brand where um you're gonna have uh good business um and it sounds like there's a little bit of a timing component in there right if you're looking for the scalability uh it sounds like, you know, there's a bit of a timing. Like, you couldn't, it would be difficult, I'm assuming, uh, would it, to get into a great clips and achieve what you've achieved right now. 
right now, yeah, the most markets are sold out. They've been sold out for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting into Atlanta would, would be very difficult. You'd have to buy out somebody that's already has an established business. Yeah. It would be a little bit more difficult, yes. Makes sense, definitely. Well, good. Well, thank you so much. And I, um, I'm excited to have you on the show. And, and Greg, welcome. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to give the listeners a little bit of a background on you. Greg Thomas is president of LSGF Management and a franchisee of several brands, uh, obviously Great Clips and Smoothie King. Uh, working as a water delivery boy in 2004 and having a net worth of about zero, <laughs> somehow Greg embellished some financial applications. You sec- secured a loan to buy a distressed, underperforming hair salon. Okay, so a different approach to this. A combination of great operations and out-of-the-box marketing led this, be- this to become the fastest-growing segment in the industry, uh, the salon space uh, in the country. I'm sorry, fastest-growing salon in the country. Uh, following that same business model, you bought several more distressed businesses. Uh, a few years later, you partnered up with uh, your neighbor here, Grant Simon, and now business partner to form LSGF Management, which currently owns and operates 160 stores. Amazing. Uh, you you have served as co-op president for eight years. Uh, in that role, you have developed several large cross-promotions and charity marketing concepts with the goal of increasing foot traffic without discounting. I might ask you to explain that. What do, what do you mean by that? Um, there's different ways to drive foot traffic into your stores. Coupons one, radios one, TVs one. Um, I'm not big into discounting. I think there's a different way to do it. So I always I came up with some different gift with purchase ideas. Um, also came up with some different ways to raise money for charity. Wonderful. Um, so. Yeah, one of the programs um, at Great Clubs was a 300 NASCAR race, which resulted in the highest attendant nationwide uh, as far as races in Atlanta's history. Wow. You stole all my... Um, <laughs> Did I steal your thunder? Maybe not the thunder. <laughs> so my, but my, A little bit of lightning. But my background, um, Grant and I were not partners originally. Grant got into franchising way before me. He was very successful way before me. I did not know him when he got into Great Clips. But my background is I was delivering a water truck, uh, delivering the five-gallon bottled water for a company called Lipsy Water uh-huh. and going nowhere fast in life. And um, I had two little kids at home, and I was not doing very well at all mm-hmm. uh, financially had a great wife great kids but wasn't doing well financially mm-hmm. and I went and got my hair to cut at a great clips hair salon in Holcombrick whatever in Norcross Dunwoody that area of Georgia and I thought I got a good haircut but I po- thought the place was terrible so I told the stylist you know nice haircut but this place sucks <laughs> um, sorry um, and she said it's for sale if I wanted to buy it and I just said okay great and um, I left there and I Started thinking about it on the way home, and then I pulled into a bank and decided I would exaggerate a little bit on a bank loan, so somehow they got it. Uh, (laughs) Somehow they gave me a bank loan. And then when I got back into Great Clips, I drove back over there a couple weeks later, and I told them I bought the place, and I said, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got no business ownership skills. I don't know how to cut hair. I don't know much, but I do know that in my previous job, I was treated pretty poorly. Mm -hmm. And I I know that if I treat you well, you're going to perform well, and if if I pay you well... You'll perform, you know, you'll perform even better. And I, I really believe that if you pay people minimum wage, you're going to get the minimum performance. Mm. So, mm. Um, so I bought that store, and then um, I didn't realize you needed to have working capital to get started. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't have any money to do marketing, so I had to come up with my own marketing. So I created a, a post-it note that said "Great Clips" at the top and five dollars off on the bottom. 
And every morning between 5 and 7 a.m. before I went and delivered water, I'd drive up and down the neighborhood streets and I'd just slap coupons on the outside of the mailboxes. And if it was raining or there was frost on the mailbox and they didn't stick, I'd go park my car in an apartment complex and I'd scale over the security fence and then I'd run up and down the corridor and I'd slap them on the outside of mailboxes. Mm. But I did whatever it took. I basically out-hustled everybody. I'm not wealthier. I'm not smarter than anybody else, but I out-hustled everybody. And mm-hmm. that store soon became the fastest-growing one in the country and I was able to buy another one and another one. And that's how we got started. What a great story. You know, I, I, I kind of kid with people and go, hey, listen, this isn't the field of dreams, right? <laughs> you don't just uh, buy a business and then the people come. Uh, and that story is a testimony to that. Uh, that. I mean, just, I guess, generally speaking, why do you think businesses fail? Um, a lot of the times it's the, the owner doesn't know how to treat people. We bought a group of stores um, in Auburn, Alabama, where the where the business owner didn't know how to do marketing. He was discounting to every customer. We bought mm-hmm. another store um, where the owner was treating their employees poorly, and that didn't work. We had another store um, that had absolutely no diversity. That didn't work. I mean, you got to have a diverse workforce. you got to hire good people regardless of their ethnicity or anything else. Mm-hmm. So um, in order to be a good franchisee or a successful business owner, I should say, you have to sort of be a jack-of-all-trades. You need to know a little bit about accounting, a little bit about real estate, a little bit about management, a little bit about mar- uh, everything. And if you fail in any one of those areas, you you will fail. Mm-hmm. Um, my niche was very much Grant's, my business partner Grant focused on building new stores. I focused on buying um, distressed stores, um, businesses where other people failed. And there's a lot of them that fail. And, mm-hmm. and partnerships also often fail, but when you get into the, if you ask some questions about why businesses fail, we know hundreds of them and why they fail. And um, Grant, and I, Grant, and I our claim to fame for quite quite a number of years was everything we everything we bought, we'd buy it at the right price, but we'd turn it cash flow positive within ninety days. It hasn't always worked that way. Most, <laughs> most of the time, it hasn't. Like, That's a pretty good track record. <laughs> if you get that going, uh, if you were going to, well, you you really approached it differently. Then um, you you approached it by buying the distress, and well, that makes me think of flipping homes, right? <laughs> Except in flipping homes, everybody and their brother does that. Yes. Um, when you go up to when you go bid on a a business or make an offer on a business there's usually only one or two other people bidding on it. It's not like there's hundreds. And sometimes if there's only one person bidding on it, if you're the only one, if you're at the right place at the right time, you can get a hell of a great business for nothing. Um, I got into it with great clips. Grant had a dozen stores. I had three, but then I um, was working on a deal where I knew, I knew something was going on at a car wash that they were going under. And I managed to buy the largest car wash in the state for a dollar. Um, Wow. And then I didn't know what I was doing in the car wash business either. Kind of a common thread there. Um, mm-hmm. So I called called my neighbor friend, Grant, and I said, I got this idea. Do you want in on it with me? And um, he said, tell me about it. And I said, no, just throw your money down. Let's, you know, let's. <laughs> and so that's how we got into our first business and made several hundred thousand dollars and then sold it. And then we parlayed it and just continued to buy different things. So, Greg, I, I kind of I heard um, almost two messages there, and it seems like a paradox, but it really isn't. Uh, one is is that uh, you had the courage uh, to just do it, um, per Grant's um, earlier message, uh, go for it, right? Um, so you had the courage to do that. But part of that also was um, you didn't know anything about the businesses that you got involved with. Uh, I, think, I think ignorance was a 
sometimes one can of the, work. One of, the, one of the great traits I have. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, I always <laughs> say there, there's, there's advantages to, to a degree of naivety. You're not going to get all of your answers addressed. The first store, I, I remember Grant made a statement. We were just drinking buddies at the bar every Monday night. We'd talk about it. We weren't business partners. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, why would you want to buy such a distressed store? Why would you want to do that? Um, why don't you just build a new store? And my response to him was, I can't afford 150000 to buy a new store. Mm-hmm. I got a little bit of, tiny, tiny little bit of money to buy a distressed store and turn it around. He goes, but you're going to have to work just so much harder. And I was like, but I don't, you know, I didn't have any other choices. Right. Um, so you were just in that position. I didn't have a high net, I had no net worth, so I couldn't do it his way. <laughs> what, would you, what would you tell our listeners who, uh, you know, like you said, you got to wear a lot of different hats. Uh, when you are a business owner, right? You don't know anything about the business, but at the same time, you're wearing all of these different hats. Uh, are there great advantages of that from a franchise perspective? I mean, what, what would you tell our listeners around that? Um, from a franchise perspective, I could start my own business from scratch, and it would be a lot of work. From a franchise perspective, they already have the computer systems. They already have some best practices. Um, I very much like the turnkey turnkey ability of mm-hmm. a franchise um, but as far as being a jack of all trades no one comes in knowing everything but um, being open minded and um, trying different things yeah. seems to be a good trade yeah at, at this yeah. point we have a big infrastructure so we have experts in a lot of different areas from accounting to HR to construction maintenance IT so we don't have to be a jack of all trades anymore More. because we have people that are specialists yes right and you evolve into that right that's mm-hmm. what you, you for those that are looking to get started you start off with a single unit potentially or yeah. uh, and, with the vision of multi and that's an important point is um getting in front of it with the with your infrastructure if you know you're going to grow you need to get the people in place ahead of time because mm. if you get there and you don't have the people that's that's how people can fail as well uh, they don't have the support I hear you. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, great advice. Um, Greg, any additional stories you'd like to share? Oh, we have a lot of stories. Uh, <laughs> how about we one, one last one for, for our listeners? Um, after I had one or two stores and then I got into, um, we bought Auto Indulgence, Auto Advantage Car Wash. Um, I was invited to some shows, a multi-unit franchise show out in Vegas and Technically, I didn't have enough stores to really qualify. I felt like a fish out of water going out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thrilled to death to have three or four stores. I was, I thought I was on top of my game. I thought I was a big fish all of a sudden, and I got out to that multi-unit conference, and there was 300, 300 other people there, and everybody was a whale, and I was, like, just in awe. And <laughs> after walking around that show and talking to people, I realized that um, they weren't that much different from me. Mm. But going to that show and talking to some of the big fish, it changed my perspective on life. It mm. changed everything. And when I got back, I was like, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. Mm. And um, So what was the aha there? They could do it, I could do it. It's just that um, you don't have to come from money. You don't okay. have to come from money. But the, um, it was an aha moment. I just went and hung out, hung out at the pool, hung out at the bar, started networking and talking to people. And every one of us had different strengths. But it, it really was a, a different perspective. Um, as far as a... Uh, Kind of one other thing you said, is there anything else, else worth mentioning? Mm-hmm. To get into franchising, it helps if you got a lot of money, but that's mm-hmm. not the only way to get into business. Um, banks aren't, if you're buying distressed businesses, you can also often get things 10, 20, 30 cents on the dollar. 
but instead of going to traditional banks, like if you don't have a lot of money in your in your wallet and your net worth, um, what you can do when a when a business is distressed or when it's failing for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you can ask the owner to have um, to hold the paper to have owner financing. I was able to grow get quite a few stores that way where okay. I would not have qualified at the bank because I didn't really have good. Um, whatever financials way mm-hmm. back then when mm-hmm. I was first getting started now we've got we got great financials but back then we I did not um, so if a bank wouldn't loan to me the other way is just to go find a distressed business and say hey you want a hundred thousand dollars for this uh, I'll buy it I don't have a hundred I'll give you a dollar and I'll pay you you know a couple thousand dollars a month for the next X number of years but you can acquire a lot of stores that way and as long as you have a as long as you know how to turn it around or at least as as long as you can turn it around, you can make money on it. Excellent. Great advice. So. If our listeners wanted to, to get in touch with you or, or see your website, how, Grant, how would they go about doing that? How would they go about getting uh, in touch with you? Well, they can go to lsgfmanagement.com, and we're there. And what does LSGF stand for? Life short, grow fast. <laughs> I like it. Greg, um, how, would, how would someone go about getting you same place or any information, you contact information you'd like to provide? I think we're pretty high profile and readily available, but yeah. LSG, you have to go to our website or send an email. And um, I can tell you that neither Grant nor I are really good with telephones. I don't think we ever answer them anymore because it's not an efficient <laughs> way to communicate, but send, send an email or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. ask a lot of questions before you get in business. Um, yeah, do your due diligence, right? Research, research. Absolutely. Good. Well, thank you. I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. I'd um, like to go on to our next guest today. We have, is it John Alberry? Am I saying that right? Albro. Ah. Uh-huh. You sound much better than me. You were closer than most people. (laughs) Well, that makes me feel a little better. John John is here uh, representing Lifting Noodle Raymond. Ramen. Ramen. Thank you. Lifting uh, Noodles is located in, tell me where you're located. East Atlanta Village for now. Um, There are a number of different locations opening up across the country, but the flagship is in East Atlanta Village on Flat Shoals. And the flagship is... Uh, Lifting Noodle Ramen. It's KSP Restaurant uh, Group? Well, KSP Restaurant Group is uh, something that was started by Seven. Um, he's a gentleman I work with, and him and his business partner, they you know originally started with just one restaurant, Pokeberry, and saw a lot of success from that initially. You know, They opened up 16 locations across America in the first year of business. Um, with that success, they opened up Lifting Noodle Ramen and you know have started franchising that as well. And additionally, have you know partnered with a number of other different restaurants uh, to help them with franchising. That's great. So, I, at Seven and the founders, they saw a gap in the ramen marketplace here in Atlanta, and obviously wanted to put their own unique spin on the concept. Uh, it sounds like Lifting Noodles offers classic traditional dishes, uh, but when you think of ramen. Wh- what are the different twists and the secrets to the menu? It sounds like you've got a little spin there. Well, one of the things that Seven has always been really great about and something I've, like that you know makes me want to work with him is he's very, very creative with his marketing ideas. And um, similar to what you were saying earlier about not wanting to offer discounts on things because it's a bad business model, he'll take classic products like mm-hmm. you know traditional ramen from you know Tokyo and then add sort of like an innovative twist to it, um, incorporating a, a menu item that wouldn't typically be there or presenting the plate in a way that makes it very appealing for pictures on people's Instagrams. And, you know, for example, with Pokeberry, 
Um, pokey is a is a style of you know seafood, seaweed, rice that's been very popular for a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. But he made pokey donuts. He made pokey burritos. <laughs> uh, he made a sushi corn dog, and these items all photograph really well. He made a pokey pizza, and literally has you know now lifting noodle and pokeberry have people from other states driving just oh. to come take a photo of stuff and put it on their instagram so he's able to go viral very easily which is a hard thing for businesses to do it's almost something you can't pay for um and that's what really helped him you know acquire a lot of foot traffic initially to the point where he has lines out the door at all time and for people that are looking to buy a franchise, especially like a first-time franchise buyer, mm-hmm. that's a very appealing aspect for a business to have because one of the things that people have a lot of uh, fear about when they're buying a business is, well, how am I going to get customers here? Mm-hmm. Um, turnkey is great, but being able to offer that like marketing appeal is, is, is really, really helpful for us. I, and it sounds like it's been more of a true digital marketing Focus. Yeah, we definitely prioritize a, a number of different uh, digital marketing approaches. Um, you know, a, a, again, definitely taking a, an, a, an aggressive appreciation for social media, um, Instagram in particular. You can do a lot at a very, 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 very low cost. Mm-hmm. So, um, similar to you know earlier when you all were discussing about not needing a lot of capital to do a lot of different sort of creative things to help bring revenue to your business. Um, Social media has been that for us. That's excellent. Uh, You brought up a really important topic that anyone who's moving into business ownership, I say, needs to ask themselves, and that's customer acquisition, or what we might refer to as sales and marketing. Right. Uh, You know, if you have a business, you have a customer. (laughs) Right. So it sounds like you, you guys are doing some really creative things. And not just with the digital marketing, you know, uh, Seven initially started off by himself, and then he partnered with with Ken, who is uh, has a, a really great tenure setting up very very large scale commercial kitchens. So he has like a, the the food industry background. Um, they've since kind of built this team around them, you know, including me, and I, I help with the digital marketing. And then they have a, a man named David that's that's a bit of a real estate. Uh, expert um, on, a, on, a, on a national level. So he's, he's able to help put these businesses in very strategically placed areas in cities all across America. And again, in addition to the digital marketing, the appeal there is through really expert opinion that we're able to internally offer. We're sort of able to project a certain amount of foot traffic pretty much from right out the gate and that can help someone feel more comfortable with that customer acquisition. That's great. What, um, as far as business growth, obviously a couple brand, you have a couple different brands here, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Lifting Noodle Ramen. What's, what are the, what's the business growth plans for that particular concept? Uh, Lifting Noodle is, you know, we're, we're relatively, compared to Pokeberry, new to franchising Lifting Noodle Ramen, um, but we, we're already seeing, you know, some good success there. Uh, we'd like to put, you know, as many Lifting Noodles across America as, as it makes sense for the, for the market, um, but really making sure that we're, we're continuing to offer, like, a, a strong marketing support to all our franchise uh, owners, mm-hmm. and also having foresight into like where we're placing those those businesses is, is what we're doing with lifting noodle and 
past Lifting Noodle and Pokeberry, we're continuing to partner with, with different brands. We just recently partnered with, with Green District Salad. They're super wonderful um, and look forward to introducing people to them as well. They're based out of Louisville, have a great concept, really, really wonderfully strong branding, but uh, needed a little bit of help understanding all the nuances that come with franchising. And we're also working with Savvy Provisions, which is there's a, their flagship location is actually down the street from, from here. Um, great brand, great, great, great company. The owner is super successful, but again, there's 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 a little bit of like a a, a nuance to, to to helping people get into franchising, especially with like multi-unit mm-hmm. uh, franchising. So starting to take advantage of all the things that offer from uh, understanding like how awesome <laughs> multi-unit franchising can be um, and helping getting past some of those things that you all were talking about earlier about you know there's a lot of misconceptions that you need to be like super super wealthy or like only big business can do big business like there's a lot of things that people can do especially in this digital age to, to grow really really quickly and um, your focus for franchise growth is it to have multi-unit franchisees? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting. We've we've started to see that with Pokeberry already. Um, starting to see that with with Lifting Noodle and, and Green District Salads as well. But de- definitely having somebody, you know, getting to more into those multi-unit sales. And the advantages of that are. Uh, you can start thinking about things big pictures, you know, from a lot of different ways. Um, I remember uh, about a year ago, I was talking to a, f- a, f- a friend of mine who's who's young like I am, but has just seen tremendous, tremendous success. And uh, he, he does a lot with real estate. And one of the things that he was talking about is... Um, you know, when he first got into real estate, he had just like a couple of locations, just like most franchisees start with one and then they get to that like three or four level. And there's this feeling that comes with wearing a lot of hats where Mm -hmm. you're kind of running around all over the place. And as important as it is to wear a lot of hat, there becomes a transition point where you have to learn to like let other people wear those hats. And for multi-unit franchising, you start to understand the efficiencies of, of having operators, of using you know professional services for accounting and digital marketing and all of those kind of things. And you think about things in a much big picture macro way, mm-hmm. and that allows you to step outside of, of being trapped in that tunnel of like. Like waking up every day, seeing this laundry list of things that need to happen in daily operations, and then going home and going to bed. If you do that, then you're never going to be able to grow. But if you take a step back and allow other people to operate the business and you focus on growing the business, then you can you can start getting into becoming like really, really profitable. Yeah, it's a multiplier effect. Exactly. It exponentiates. <laughs> Everything exponentiates. Absolutely. What would you like to share with our listeners about lift, Lifting Noodle Ramen? Uh, really exciting. Um, not very publicly known, but you know, there's a lot of different locations opening up for Lifting Noodle. But here in the Atlanta area, um, Seven and, and KSP Restaurant Group have, have partnered up with Prep Commercial Kitchen, and we're opening an Asian food court in the Battery. Oh, cool. Um, the food court will be called Feast, and uh, Pokeberry, Lifting Noodle Ramen, um, Snack House Bistro, and Kung Fu Tea will be there. Um, there might be one or two other vendors there as well, but the idea is really authentic Asian food, sort of with the vein of Buford Highway, but in a more accessible location and environment uh, at the Battery. Um, so we're very excited about that. Absolutely. And what's the timeline for that? 
hoping that opening will be late spring, early summer of 2019, but, you know, construction goes the way construction goes. Understood. Understood. If someone wanted to learn a little bit more about this and and track you, how would they go about doing that? Uh, Every restaurant that we represent have really good blogs. Um, We try really hard to uh, document and share all of the exciting things that happen with us. Mm -hmm. So any press or any news or announcements, secret menu items, you know, whatever kind of exciting bit of news we have, we have on blogs. So you can go to LiftingNoodleRamen.com, PokeBurry.com, any of our websites and see stuff. And we have a landing page for Feast, but, you know, we're still... Developing like all of the marketing collateral for that. So okay. um, publicly, there's a couple of articles teasing about an opening, but this is kind of one of the first places that we've we've really let people know that it's coming. Excellent. Well, very yeah. excited. I'm a foodie, so I can't wait. It's going to be really, really, really dope. Will there be a grand opening? There uh, will be a grand opening, and we're, we're thinking about doing a soft grand opening, too, so we'll invite everybody as well. And, and we're going to do a lot of different events, workshops. Um, each of those vendors I mentioned is, is really awesome. They all have great owner-operators, and we'll have secret special menu items that are specific to that location. So there will be a lot of incentive for people to go check it out. Oh, yeah. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you there. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Great to know. Wow, we've got a real uh, great theme going on here, uh, just this whole multi-unit theme and, and different concepts. And I'm going to kind of circle back around here. We have another great guest in the studio. Michelle, welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, Michelle Holloman is VP of Franchise Development for Pigtails and Crew Cuts. Yes. Uh, yes. of the franchise or unit. She, uh, Michelle worked with the franchising industry, not to date either one of us, right? Back to <laughs> 1997. Uh, throughout that time, you built experience working by, for the parent companies of well-known brands such as Heavenly Ham, Honey Baked Ham, Moe's Southwest Grill, Planet Smoothie, PJ's Coffee. Uh, now you serve as the VP of Franchise Development for Pigtails and Crew Cuts. And really, um, what you do is you help qualify prospective franchisees sure. to determine whether or not they would really be a good owner of a pigtail and crew to cut salon. Right. That is correct. Let's, um, I, I know we've been talking about uh, the multi-unit thing, but tell, tell us, first of all, tell us a little bit about pigtails and crew cuts. Pigtails and Crew Cuts is a kids' hair salon franchise, and we're headquartered right here in Atlanta, Georgia. We have... You know, we service, we have products, we have haircutting services for young children. When you walk into a Pigtails and Crew Cuts, you'll see bright colored walls and theme car chairs and movies playing at each station and video games and toys for the young children while they're waiting. So we want to make the experience fun and memorable for children, but also for the parents as well. Would you talk to us a little about the industry, right? We were just talking about great clips, and now we've gone, <laughs> now we've gone to from adult salons to kids salons, right? So the hair care industry is a sixty billion dollar industry, uh-huh. and the children's segment is about seven billion dollars. Okay, so the the children, the hair care, the children's uh, hair salon is extremely fragmented, um, and our business model is really simple. So we want to make sure that. We get into communities that are affluent communities and that can support in their desirable areas where, uh, you know, kids need haircuts. And so certainly we love um, talking to franchise owners that have young children and are looking for something to do 
outside of the corporate world, having that work-life balance you know, uh, scenario. They're mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. They're figured, hey, if I'm working in the corporate world and I'm working this hard, why don't I do something for myself? And so um, our target audience has always been parents with young children. And we love that. But now I would love to focus, like, you know, Greg and Grant, on multi-unit, multi-concept franchisees. Because mm. I think we could complement what they already have with their experience and their, you know, franchise experience, but then also uh, serve a different demographic, which is children. Mm, I like it. So why uh, why franchising? You, you hit on something a little bit ago when you said mm-hmm. that uh, this space is fragmented. And whenever I say you come across a fragmented space, that very often is good for franchising. Mm-hmm. That's a good, a right. good criteria. Like everybody here, I mean, franchising, I believe, is the way to go because you're getting the franchise support. You're getting the turnkey. You know, everybody has skill sets. You may be good at marketing, you may be good at, you know, the financial aspect. But joining a franchise, you are getting the support. And we have excellent franchise support in our office. In our offices, we have over 75 years combined of franchising experience. Our goal, our primary mission is to help our franchisees be successful. Mm. And so we work really hard because their success is our success. And so we work really hard on helping them with all aspects of the operation and making sure they have an understanding and, and to be jack of all trade. You know, there's uh, the kind of two sides of the business equation, right? You have uh, one side of the business equation are those proven methods of operation and and really knowing how to operate the inner workings of the business itself. But then the other side of that equation is being effective as a franchisor and knowing how to grow a franchise system, how to train and support. That's right. And, and it sounds like you've got um, both sides of that equation. We do. Um, if someone was interested in a pigtails and crew cuts, help them understand what would that investment look like? So uh, the total investment for pigtails and crew cuts is around 230000 and that's inclusive of our franchise fee of 30000 for a single unit. We have multiple unit options um, if someone wanted to go that route. Uh, obviously, there's the discounted franchise fee, the larger protected territory, the development schedule that we put behind it. Uh, we also have an area representative program if someone is interested in that and they would, you know, uh, buy a territory or space and then develop them or sell them off and, and you know, go that route. But, um, yeah, it's about 230000 So with the area, explain the area representative opportunity. That's, uh, would they be opening up their own stores or would they be? Either or. So we, you know, we require that they open at least one. We -hmm. want them to know the operations. We want them to know uh, and understand our business. And then they can either develop in the territories that they, you know, were interested in, or they can sell it off as and represent as a as the franchisor, we okay. will always be there. We will always help, um, you know, in any way possible. But they would be doing the training of the new franchisee. Understand. They would be doing the support. Sort of a sub franchisor role, correct? Is what I like to refer to it as, right? Uh, which is excellent. A lot of there are a lot of franchisors don't that don't offer that. So that in itself is a unique offering. Uh, where I mean, where are you looking to expand right now? We are. We have sixty one locations open in twenty three states. Uh, we have about a di- 
24 additional units to be developed. They're in different development stages, whether it's commitment or they are negotiating the lease or they're actually in pre-opening and construction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have always we've grown organically over the years, mm-hmm. and we now have a pretty aggressive growth strategy um, going forward. So. We are in Atlanta. Our headquarters are in Atlanta. So I am focusing primarily in the southeast. It's our backyard. Sure. Let's go ahead and, and, and take over the southeast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not opposed to, you know, expanding nationwide if someone comes to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And right now, do you, are you primarily in the southeast? Do you have some units uh, on the west coast at We all? do, as far okay. west as Honolulu, Hawaii. Oh, wow. Okay. Definitely. I don't get to do that business no. very often, but I should. Exactly. I'll, I'll go on that trip with you. Well, what, um, I mean, what sets Pigtails and Crew Cuts apart? So we have the salon side, which is um, giving the best customer service. It's not just about the haircut. You know, Mm -hmm. a haircut is something that someone can do in their own home, in in their bathroom or in the driveway. It's about creating that experience, Mm -hmm. making sure you give excellent customer service, making sure that that first haircut, which is a huge deal for moms and dads, you know, putting it in the baby book or, you know, making sure, cutting out that lock of hair. It's like Samson. They lose all their power if, <laughs> if they don't have that hair. But it's creating that experience and making it memorable. On the franchise headquarters side, in our, in our office, it's about supporting our franchise owners. Mm. We want them to succeed. And our CEO, Wade Brannon, says, you know, we're not in the just in the hair industry we're in the franchise support industry mm. and so our goal again is uh, making sure you know because our our franchisees are investing in something that they love and we need to make sure that we give them all the tools needed for them to succeed oh, well i love that and of course i'm giggling here because i just got a little note from someone saying um, they're interested are there any distressed properties for sale <laughs> 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 Let's talk, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, Greg. Right. <laughs> um, so, Michelle, if, if someone wanted to get in touch with you and learn a little bit more about what does it mean to be a franchisee, how would they go? They could contact me, but how would contact. they go about contacting you? Uh, go to our website, pigtailsandcrewcutsfranchise.com. You can call me. You can email me. You can also speak with uh, my counterpart, Hannah Swanson. We would love to talk to anybody about this. It's, it's an exciting concept. Um, if you love children, not just your own children, but you love all children and you want to be a part of your community, give us a call. Absolutely. And just to, and just so uh, everybody knows, when they go to Pigtails and Crew Cuts, the and is spelled out, right? Correct. Pigtails and? A-N-D. It's That's a very right. long website. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it works. Excellent. And and definitely, if you, if you want to speak with Michelle and learn a little bit more about what it means to be an area representative, a multi-unit, or even a single-unit operator, um, you know, let us know. It's uh, it's an emerging, growing segment of the salon space. Yes. And you know what? Before before we move on, because I want to, and I'll, I'm going to open this up to uh, everyone, a little roundtable discussion here. Um, you know, semi absentee is a very popular topic that I, I'm hearing about right now. Right, the job market's very strong, and um, everyone wants to figure out. You know, hey, how do I keep my job? But I want to diversify. Um, what advice would you give to that person that's in corporate America and um, looking to diversify and find a semi absentee business? Does it exist? 
whatever whatever pieces are of advice you'd like to give. Who shall Michelle? I'll, I'll kick okay. off with you. So. Obviously, in our concept, in our brand, we have all scenarios. We have the franchisee that wants to open the door and close the door. She she or he wants to be there day in and day out. We have some that have full-time jobs, and they have a manager in place, and they manage the manager. And with technology nowadays, you can always check in on your business and make sure things are going right. And, and so what I always encourage my franchise owners is make the commitment in the very beginning. You want to understand your business. You want to uh, manage your people and create the culture within your four walls because you want your employees to buy into what you have. Mm-hmm. And they'll, as as you know, Greg said, they will work harder. They will work smarter for you. And and so, you, if you can dedicate three months, six months, a year, whatever it is. Um, to that business, and I, I believe in the in, in in our concept, those that are willing to do that have a better success rate because of the fact that they are willing to do that. Great information, thoughts, Greg. If you're looking to um, invest in franchising and you think it's like a mutual fund and you just sit back and watch, you're going to go broke. Um, <laughs> if you've got a forty hour if you got a salary job and you're looking at it in franchising, a good idea is to make sure you spend 10 or 15 hours a week. Do it at night. Do it in the middle of the night. Do it, you know, do it before you have your you know, your nine to five job. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't be passive. If you want to make money, you've really got invo- got to get involved. You have to make decisions. You have to get out and shake hands and kiss babies um, with the customers. You've got to get out and talk to your employees. You've got to you've got to make changes. Um, uh, every franchisor says, oh, the, there's a lot of franchisors out there that say it's a passive investment. I don't think there is such a thing. Mm. So. I, 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 this is a great topic, and that's why I brought it up. Does it exist? I don't, I don't think so. I think, it, I think franchisors state it, but if, um, if you're going to get into franchising, you need, to, you need to get involved. You need to spend 10 hours. I will say when I was getting started, I used to I was working 40 or 50 hours a week at a salary, a bad salary, but a salary job. And I did the great clips early in the morning, and then I'd come home in the afternoon, and I'd do payroll, and then I'd work on the weekends. I did whatever it took to make my store successful. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't work inside the four walls. Um, I definitely didn't work inside the four walls, but I did the, the back office, the, the you know everything else. Right. And is it fair for me to say that there's been an evolution? Um, as you start to grow that portfolio, um, like you're saying, you didn't work within the four, four walls, but you're working the weekends. At, at what point do you get to, as you're building out that portfolio, do you get to have lifestyle? Um, it depends on how much return on your investment you're making. If you're making <laughs> 20 or whatever, after the debt's paid down. I mean, if you make 50 grand a year off of a Great Clips or a Pigtails and Crew Cuts, if you're making 50 grand a year and you got 40 grand a, a year in debt service well you can't do anything except mm-hmm. pay down debt service but in three or four years when it's paid off um you know and you get two or three or four or a hundred of those stores you can start making some really good money great so uh, and grant we'll come back around to you in a, in a second john thoughts advice uh for us all of the businesses that we work with um 
actually work all right for semi-absentee owners. You know, of course, uh, everything that was just said is true. There's no such thing as a, a 100% passive investment. You know, there's always going to be some re- work required. But for us, we uh, have low startup cost for all of our businesses. They're very, very, very lean startup costs, small uh, footprints, square footage-wise. And another thing that we always try to do is, is make sure that uh, all of the business models for the different brands that we work with have pretty good profit margins on average Mm -hmm. Um, and as we've grown internally team wise you know we're able to offer so much more training and support than originally was required Um, for for us creating brands originally that we intended on franchising in the beginning we had to put in a lot of our own resources and, and work to make sure that each of those first initial locations were successful and from there we've seen like a gradual but progressive growth in what we're able to offer businesses to sort of help ensure that they're they're, they're more successful from from the jump um, but like what was just said I, I do think is is true there's always going to be some amount of at least checking in um, and if you do want to be semi-absentee the one thing that I say that I've I feel like I see more than anything is people uh, forgetting that semi-absentee does require an operator. Like, you do have to make sure that you've hired and sourced somebody that has uh, sort of the same values as you do from an owner's perspective for, for your business. You can't just hire anybody off the street to run your business for you when you're not there. A lot of great points. And, and I, I also want to magnify a point that you made, which is I think that there are certain concepts that yes. lend themselves uh, to being a little bit more simplified yeah. um, and easier to run as a semi-absentee yeah. and find an operator yeah. uh, to actually run it. Um, Grant, any other words of advice? Uh, well, I've, I've just seen it work as a stepping stone. Um, somebody's already made the commitment that they don't like their job and want to work for themselves and get into a franchise, uh, maybe makes the investment, uh, does the best they can, holds on to their job and their business, and eventually has a plan to exit from their from their job and make it a full-time business. I've seen that work, but unless they make that transition, I've seen it fail numerous times. As well. Good. Thank you, everybody. Now, and, um, that's going to go ahead and bring Franchise Business Radio Show to a close. Uh, before we do, I just want to go around uh, the studio again, and if you would just give your website. Uh, so if people want to reach out and do some work on this, um, learn a little bit more, they can do that. Um, May I go ahead, Greg? Um, Greg Thomas and Grant Simon. Our website is LSGF Management, and LSGF is, uh, since it's, uh, LSGF stands for Life Short, Grow Fast. And where that that came from is I was 40 years old when I got started in franchising, Mm. and I knew I didn't have much time left to catch up to all the Joneses. (laughs) But that's how they can get a hold of us. And now you have Life Short, Grow Fast. John. Uh, for us, the best place is LiftingNoodleRamen.com. You can find out a lot of great information about buying a very affordable restaurant with like very strong marketing behind it already. Excellent. Michelle. Michelle Holloman, and I'm with Pigtails and CrewCutsFranchise.com. Excellent. And uh, this is Pamela Curry, host of Franchise Business Radio Show, signing off. And I also want to give a shout-out to Robert Edwards, Franchise City. Thank you for your sponsorship of Franchise Business Radio Show. Thank you again for joining Pam Curry and her guests on the Franchise Business Radio Show, sponsored by Franchise Intellect, knowledge and insight of the franchise community for franchise selection. More info at 
FranchiseIntellect.com. Also made possible in part by Franchise City, a better way to buy a franchise. More info at Franchise.City. Use the social media links here to share today's show and check out more episodes at FranchiseBusinessRadio.com. Thank you.